Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome in the land of hyperinflation. 9.1%. Honk if you're old enough to just feel like you're back in the Jimmy Carter years. Yes, once again, we've elected a Democrat because uh, the, the presidency before was mired in scandal and impeachment. And this is what you get. You get incompetence and inflation. Today's big topic, how the news media is struggling. For example, Axios.com reported that engagement with news content has plunged during the first half of this year, compared to the first half of 2021, and in some cases has fallen below pre-pandemic levels. Axios asks why it matters. Americans have grown exhausted from the constant barrage of bad headlines that have replaced Trump-era crises, scandals, and tweets. The big picture, the level of news consumption in 2021 took a nosedive, following historic highs in 2020. And so now it's down again. You know, the war in Ukraine, a series of deadly mass shootings, the January 6 hearings, and what they call the Supreme Court's revocation of abortion rights hasn't been capturing the same level of attention as 2020. Well, look, 2020 was sort of a historic event in that you know, we were constantly told that coronavirus was going to cause two million dead. There was a lot of panic. And of course, there was a lot of I- the, the idea that the coronavirus was the silver bullet to get Trump thrown out of office. So they hyped it real big. So, yes, this is a problem of people don't watch the news because it's depressing. It's not a surprise. I mean, this is why they've known this for years. That's why usually you have that arc in the nightly news where it always seems to end on a happy note. Usually there's happy news at the end or there's inspiring news. People who did something neat or great or compassionate because the often the beginning of the news isn't so happy. Um, It's the same reason why the network morning shows are like, Hard news at the first 10 minutes and then on to, oh, how to knit. You know, they're they're nervous about losing that audience. And so, but what's funny here is they're basically saying the news business is struggling because the news is all bad. What we can't seem to do is connect any of that to the current president. Anyway, Axios continues, cable viewership across the three major major cable networks is down 19% in prime time for the first half of this year compared to the first half of 2021. Well, this is a little misleading, and you know why. Those losses skew heavily towards CNN and MSNBC, which are down 47% and 33%, respectively. CNN, which is already in third place, was down 47%. But... Fox's ratings are up 12%. So it's not just a bad news thing. Part of it is what you would expect, which is these liberal networks thought we're going to do better being all resistance all the time under Trump. 
and they're no resistance any of the time now. And the the uh, you know you could say the liberal viewers now feel like they're not constantly in peril, although maybe they feel a little differently right now after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. But it's not the same as under Trump. They you know they had convinced themselves or were constantly being reconvinced by liberal cable networks that the you know Trump was going to cause us all to die. Or maybe just some of us to die because somehow he was responsible for the coronavirus. Anyway, the big conclusion, the steep drop-off in social media engagement with news was likely influenced by Facebook de-emphasizing news in the news feed as it sought to move news consumption to its news tab. I think that's true. I think if I look at my Facebook page, there's a lot less news in it. I know that on my own personal Facebook page, when I post my uh, a podcast or a blog post or something in the news I find interesting, it gets almost zero engagement. And I know my friends are interested in, in some of this stuff. I have a habit of, of doing Facebook posts about food because uh, those get great engagement. I think Facebook still thinks, oh, this is the way we want Facebook to be. Discuss how you like the new peanut butter and jams coffee at 7-Eleven, but feel slightly guilty about it. We can definitely tell you at Newsbusters that our reads are down. Our page views are down um, noticeably. And I would suspect it's the same idea that Facebook's de-emphasizing news. But not just that. I think our concern is that Facebook uh, thinks that things we have to say about Biden are somehow misinformation. So, for example, the MRC was getting in some sort of deep doo-doo for suggesting that we didn't have any, we had energy independence under Trump, but we don't now. And they will take something like this, which is a political argument, and turn it into a, no, you're lying, and we're going to de-emphasize your content. Now, back to the Axios thing, uh, cable news viewership also down uh, compared to 2019, once again, MSNBC is down 16% from 2019 for six months. CNN's down 35%. And once again, Fox News up slightly. Axios tries to say interest in the presidency has declined considerably under Biden compared to his predecessor, fueling some of the engagement declines. But let's face it, if you watch cable right now, there are they're more that you would think Trump was still president. They don't report on Biden as much as they report on Trump. And when they report on Biden, it often has a sort of a press secretary quality to it. You know, I get this when I try to listen to NPR, like the top of the hour newscast. And it's like, I'm Giles Snyder. President Biden's going somewhere today and saying something. I have a handout the White House just gave me. It's very press secretary. It's very state-run radio. This was, of course, not the NPR top of the hour under Trump. It was more like, I'm trying to sound calm while I'm trying to say we're all going to die in a nuclear conflagration. Axios concludes, survey data shows Americans have grown weary amid what feels like a never-ending cycle of bad news. A country facing one calamity after another appears desperate for diversions. For example, sports and celebrity trials have often overshadowed hard news over the last two years. 
Again, we can't seem to draw a connected dot between a country facing one calamity after another and the current administration and Congress in Washington, D.C. On the same topic, the Washington Post opinion section ran an article by Amanda Ripley. She used to be a reporter for Time magazine a few years ago. It was headlined, I Stopped Reading the News in Is the Problem Me or the Product? Amanda Ripley now has a podcast at Slate.com. The liberals over there. It has cute titles like How to Change a Mascot Without Tearing Apart Your School. Amanda Ripley writes, I have a secret. I kept it hidden for longer than I care to admit. It felt unprofessional, vaguely shameful. It wasn't who I wanted to be. But here it is. I've been actively avoiding the news for years. It wasn't always this way. I've been a journalist for two decades, and I used to spend hours consuming the news and calling it work. Every morning, I read the Washington Post, the New York Times, and sometimes the Wall Street Journal. In my office at Time Magazine, I had a TV playing CNN on mute. I listened to NPR in the shower. On weekends, I devoured the New Yorker. Does this sound depressing to any of you? I mean, it is kind of what, what, what we do here, but we do it like it's, you know, we combat pay. I guess she felt that way, too. After a half a dozen years ago, something changed. The news started to get under my skin. After my morning reading, I felt so drained I couldn't write or do anything creative. I'd listen to Morning Edition on NPR and feel lethargic, unmotivated, and the day had barely begun. Now, I heard word of this article on the Chris Plant Show, which airs here in D.C. on WMAL Radio, and I just got a kick out of how Chris Plant was talking about, yes, NPR would depress you. This is NPR, National Panhandler Radio, Democrat Party propaganda, left-wing, taxpayer-funded propaganda. So she's just, just amazing. So she'd listen to Morning Edition and feel lethargic. Everybody that listens to Morning Edition feels lethargic. A lot of them get in the tub and open a vein like Frankie Five Angels because, you know, hi, I'm Chris Plant with NPR's Morning Edition. I'm on lithium and I'm near death. So Amanda Ripley admits, like a lot of people, I started to dose the news. I cut out TV news altogether because that's just common sense. And I waited until late afternoon to read other news. By then, I figured I could gut it out until dinner and wine. That's W-I-N-E. But the news crept into every crevice of life. I went to a therapist. She told me to stop consuming the news. That felt wrong. Wasn't it important to be informed? Quitting the news felt like quitting the world. Then one day, a journalist friend confided she was avoiding the news, too. Then I heard it from another journalist and another. She adds, most were women, I noticed, though not all. This news about disliking news was always whispered, a dirty little secret. It reminded me of the scene in The Social Dilemma when all those tech executives admitted they didn't let their kids use the products they had created. Then she adds that last month, new data from the Reuters Institute showed the United States has one of the highest news avoidance rates in the world. 
Almost four out of 10 Americans sometimes or often avoid contact with the news, a higher rate of avoidance than at least 30 other countries, and across all countries, women are more significantly likely to avoid news than men. And I have found this in my own life from neighbors, from my sisters, sometimes from Mrs. Graham. There is something depressing about the news. And yes, it's especially bad when some creep breaks into a school and shoots down a bunch of grade schoolers. How much of that do you want to watch? You know, we just had that now where they're like, oh, now we have video of the Uvalde cops standing around while the kids were shot. It's a little hard to take. I can understand where you'd be like, nope, I'd rather watch sports. Amanda Ripley concludes, today's news, even high-quality print news, is not designed for humans because we need hope. And that I, I get that. She quotes from Krista Tippett, who hosts an, a public radio show called On Being, which is kind of a religion show. Krista Tippett says, I don't actually think we are equipped physiologically or mentally, to be delivered catastrophic and confusing news and pictures 24-7. We are analog creatures in a digital world. I mean, again, yes, you can ask yourself the question, why do I need to know about a mass shooting? And I think that people conclude from that, uh, you know, the legislative solutions to a mass shooting and you, you, you find out over and over again, no, the gun was purchased legally. The background checks were passed. You know, that the things you would do to prevent this can't be fixed. Or, in, in the Uvalde case, the door was not locked when the door should be locked. The cops should come in right away and not wait for an hour. In fact, they had the somebody could have had a shot on this kid when he was on his way into the school and didn't take the shot because he didn't hear back. Those things are depressing. That's something that you would think should be fixed. It should not be only fixed in Uvalde. It should be something that leads to, you know, schools nationally trying to say, and police forces nationally to say, let's not ever let that happen here. But we've seen a whole set of surveys on this in recent weeks showing that trust in the media is collapsing. The Gallup poll found the American people's trust in news outlets has hit a historic low, according to Gallup's annual survey on confidence in major U.S. institutions. This measures things like the cops and the army and the schools and the small business. Some of these small business and the police are doing well, but the the media is doing terrible. Both newspapers and television news have seen another drop in confidence over the past year, with each losing an average of 5% of people who said they had a great deal of trust in such institutions. TV news is now considered the second least trusted institution in America after Congress, with just 11% of respondents telling Gallup they have quite a lot of trust. In TV news, newspapers aren't much better at 16% of people saying they have quite a lot of trust. Now, Gallup's been measuring this confidence in institutions since 1973 and annually since 1993. And these are just not good numbers. 
On Twitter, Glenn Greenwald noted Democrats trust the media far more than the Republicans and the independents because mm, everybody knows what side the media are on. One might think the Democrats would try to muster a majority to endorse the credibility of, of their product. But liberals end up being hostile to the liberal media for not being liberal enough. Liberal Twitter spends a lot of time demanding TV hosts like Chuck Todd and Andrea Mitchell be fired for being too negative to the Democrats. They're running around basically suggesting that Chuck Todd and Andrea Mitchell uh, sound like Fox News hosts. You may laugh now. Then also, a survey from Pew, the Pew Research Center, Pew Pew, found less than half of journalists, 44%, say every side of an issue deserves equal coverage. But among the broader public, the vast majority, 76%, believe in attempting to get equal coverage. Pew asked respondents to pick between two statements, either Journalists should always strive to give every side equal coverage, or every side does not always deserve equal coverage. You can see where the news media, when they're thinking of Trump, or when they're thinking of their issues like climate, are going to say, no, sometimes their point of view doesn't deserve equal coverage. And what that usually means is their point of view deserves to be squashed like a grape. We'll never discuss it unless we're denouncing it. And that's the sort of mentality. And then they don't realize that people are saying, guess what? I'm skeptical of climate change. Uh, and I'm not allowed to speak. Guess what? I think that there are two genders. There are males and there are females. And you can try to be something you're not, but you're never going to succeed. You will be crushed. We all know that you can't stay on Twitter if you're going to adamantly insist that men are men and women are women. This is a somehow wildly controversial and unscientific statement. Back to Pew. You know, they had a little bit of a demographic breakdown. And journalists who say their audience leans right were more inclined to feel both sides deserved equal coverage at 57% than journalists who said that their audience skewed left. That was just 30%. See, this matches, and that is conservatives want the equal coverage because they're not getting it. And liberals don't feel equal coverage is good because they're not giving it. I mean, I was surprised that the public number was this high, that 76% say they want equal coverage, because it just seems to me that the dominant message these days in journalism, in journalism schools, at journalism conferences, is that somehow the arrival on the scene of Donald J. Trump should have just killed the whole idea that there are two sides of things. And in the story on this, in the Washington Times, you could sense that idea because the reporter quoted David Stringer, a former president of the Oklahoma Press Association. He said, I think journalists are reacting to the current climate of quote-unquote alternative facts and the condition of lies getting repeated and shared over social media to shape the narrative in a particular way. I've had this dispute with people because of the use of the term alternative facts. There are times that there are, you have facts and I also have facts. I have alternative facts to your facts. 
So, for example, the, the inflation rate comes out today. NBC reporter Tom Costello says inflation's 9.1%. That's horrible. And then tries to add, oh, by the way, but gas prices have gone down the last couple of weeks, and that's not reflected yet because it's July. That would be all an alternative fact. It also seems like a suck-up to Biden fact. See, and that's what they didn't like. They didn't like facts that they would say sucked up to Trump. Now, there are obviously alternative facts that aren't factual, like Trump won in a sacred election landslide. But there's lots of things where they basically want to say the conservatives, anything they say must not be factual. Now, it's understandable that journalists would say you don't balance factual information with false information. But they always seem to confuse their own liberal opinions with the facts, as we've mentioned, on climate, on LGBTQIA, on guns. They get very arrogant that their side is the right side, and then the conservative opinion is somehow false. They despise this idea of both sides-ism, or what about-ism, and I just find the whole thing ironic because these are the people, again, that claim they're saving democracy and their whole principle is we're going to save democracy by shutting up the conservatives, by censoring them on social media, by banning their accounts, by not inviting them on our, into our studios to talk. We're saving democracy. We're opposed to two sides of anything, but we're saving democracy. Look, if the news media thinks they have a credibility problem, this is how you fix it. You fix it by giving people more facts and less of your opinion. Try to treat people like they're not stupid and give them facts and let them make their own conclusions. You don't have to beat them over the head with your opinion, but they don't do that because everything in their political bodies tells them not to do that. It's their job to usher in the right side of history. You can't take a chance on the people's wisdom, you have to constantly put your butt on the scale. Not just your thumb on the scale, your whole butt on the scale to make sure your side wins. Well, the problem with that is, the more involved you are in consuming media, the more cynical you get about the idea that anyone is observing objectivity when they write a news story. I don't want to look at this poll and say, the public's naive to expect objectivity. I mean, there's just not a lot of it happening out there. But I find it a hopeful sign that readers really want some more neutrality. They're looking not to be spun. Maybe that's why CNN and MSNBC's ratings are bad. The, you know, today in today's environment, you can say that the American people are seeking news in their own silos, on their own favorite Facebook pages, their own favorite talk radio, their own favorite Twitter accounts, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it's important to try to reach across the aisle or outside the silo. You know, I, I would say at Newsbusters, we have two different audiences. We have our, all of our conservative fans who are looking for that takedown of where the liberal media is being dishonest and unfair. But look, I also want to appeal to the liberal media that's being dishonest and unfair. I want to try to be someone who said, will you listen to my argument? 
at the Washington Post? Will you listen to our argument at CBS News? You know, and try to say, appeal to their sense of what journalism is supposed to be. And that is to say, look, we, yeah, there are things on which you should try to bend and listen to the other side. Unborn babies, talk about an alternative fact. Unborn babies exist. To say that unborn babies have a right to life is a viewpoint they really don't want to spend any time on. You know, I did this column looking at the way that they covered uh, President Biden's executive order on abortion access. And the, the big debate was between Biden and the liberals who thought he wasn't pro-abortion enough. The soundbite count is all one side. It's like 15 to nothing on TV. It was 28 to 4 in the stories on this in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and USA Today. Seven to one, I mean, it's better than 15 to zero, but it shows you these people really don't believe in reaching out to the other side. I would just like to say, as the host of the Newsbusters podcast, if a liberal journalist emails me, come on, Brian Stelter, and offers to be interviewed, I would be very fair, I believe, and I would let them say what they wanted to say, but I think they, it would also be much rougher than the way Brian Stelter is with liberal journalists on his show, as we've previously discussed. If you want to find out why the news media is losing, they're losing credibility and audience, they're, they, you know, they're losing people in general, yeah, that's why you come to Newsbusters, see what it's all about. You come once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.